0: Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fin's up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Say Zay is November 6th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to via the source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my preview of the game between the Miami Dolphins and the Arizona Cardinals. And then we're also going to be discussing a question somebody asked about what I think of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we're going to be going over that. So to begin, the Miami Dolphins, who are four and three, will face off against the Arizona Cardinals, who are five and two this Sunday in Arizona. The Dolphins are coming off of a win against the Los Angeles Rams that was led by a powerful defensive showcase. The Cardinals, on the other hand, are going to be fresh off of their bye week, which was preceded by an impressive overtime win against the Seahawks. It's going to be a very exciting game featuring two young quarterbacks. So we'll begin by taking a look at the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins' total offense is 28th with 324 yards per game. Passing, they are 21st, and in rushing, they are 28th with 98 rushing yards per game the offense will once again be led by rookie Tua Tungovailoa. this will be Tua's second start of the season after winning last week's game against the Rams the win last week didn't really require much from Tua who only threw 93 yards and he had a touchdown but 34 yards in the first half. It really goes to show uh, the Dolphins had 28 points, how effective the defense and special teams was for the team. He wasn't required to do much aside from play mistake-free football. And if you take away that fumble on the first drive, he was pretty successful at that. Nonetheless, it was still an extremely conservative performance from the Dolphins' offense, one that didn't really give us much to kind of sink our teeth into when it comes to evaluating how Tua did. Now, it's important to note, it's not every week where the D. Defense and special teams can put the team in a position to have 28 points at the half with only 54 yards of total offense. There is a high likelihood that the offense is required to open up more significantly in this game as opposed to last week. Now, if we take a look at the running back situation here, it's going to be interesting for Miami, and that is because Miles Gaskin uh, has a sprain MCL that he suffered on the last play of last week's game, and he is expected to miss three weeks. Gaskin is the team's leading rusher by far with 387 yards, 3.9 yards per carry. On top of that, Miles Gaskin is second on the team in receiving targets, really showcasing his versatility and also his importance to the offense. So without Gaskin, the team would presumably then turn to Matt Breida. Breida has shown flashes of potential, but hasn't really done much overall. This season, he has 128 yards rushing and 79 yards receiving, but on Wednesday and on Thursday, Matt Breida did not practice and was listed as having a hamstring injury, so that's kind of up in the air. Uh, Dolphins' third string running back, Patrick Laird, was a limited participant on Wednesday with an ankle injury, but he practiced in full on Thursday. He showed that he could be a somewhat reliable offensive player last year primarily as a receiving back for the team. The other two remaining healthy backs as of right now are Jordan Howard and Savon Ahmed. Howard has been a healthy scratch from the past three games after averaging an abysmal 0.8 yards per carry and Ahmed who is a rookie went to college at Washington. He was teammates with Miles Gaskin in 2018 and split carries with him. The duo put up an impressive 1,989 yards and 19 touchdowns. So if Breed And Laird are both unable to fill in for Gaskin. I would actually expect Ahmed to have a heavy usage in this game. He offers a similar skill set to Gaskin, with their former coach describing the difference between the two as Gaskin kind of being more of a smooth jazz and Ahmed being more of a hip hop. So the two of them are both speedy players, but if you watch Ahmed, you can tell that he has this burst that is really appealing when I watch him. Now, the Dolphins' receivers will once again be led by Devontae Parker. Parker had been dealing with a groin injury, but now had the injury designation removed. He played with kind of a limited role last week and only had three yards receiving. Uh, Receiver Preston Williams will also be looking to improve from last week. Williams had 15 yards and he dropped two passes against the Rams. Now, receiver Isaiah Ford was traded to the New England Patriots on Tuesday, which opens up some room for the Dolphins to potentially activate receiver Antonio Callaway. Callaway, since his college days at Florida has been regarded as this extremely talented athlete. His off-the-field issues have held him back, including his most recent substance abuse suspension which forced him to miss the first 8 games. It's not really known yet whether Callaway will be active for this week's game. Left tackle Austin Jackson, who missed the last 2 games with an ankle injury, was back at practice on Wednesday. It's unknown whether he will be able to return on Sunday to face the Cardinals, but as of right now, it seems unlikely. The The Dolphins offensive line had been solid all season up until last week. The Rams with Aaron Donald presented the most difficult challenge for this young group all season, and they did not look as good as they did in weeks prior. Despite only giving up one sack, Tua was under heavy pressure, and the running game averaged a season low in terms of yards per carry with only 2.2 against the Rams. Now, if we take a look at the defensive side for the Dolphins, in total yards allowed, they are 20th. In passing yards allowed, they are are also 20th and in rushing yards allowed they are 21st the Dolphins defense is currently right now though first in the NFL in points allowed per game they are coming off of four very good performances defensively against the 49ers against the Jets and against the Rams last week against the Rams they forced four turnovers in the first half returning one of those for a touchdown the defense has continued to barrage their opponents with blitzes sending 119 this season that is third highest in the entire NFL They're their 40.3 percent blitz per drop back is fourth in the NFL. Emmanuel Ogba, the defensive end, is coming off of yet another good game. He had a strip sack resulting in a recovery and a touchdown. Ogba has been one of the best ends in all of football. He will be facing a dynamic quarterback though this week in Kyler Murray, who has only been sacked nine times on the season. Xavier Howard is coming off of one of his more underwhelming performances of the season. He allowed 84 yards, most of those to Robert Woods. And- a total of two touchdowns he was targeted 10 times last week allowing seven completions he still leads the league in interceptions though and he had one that he dropped last week so the opportunities are still there this week though he will be tasked with covering DeAndre Hopkins who is first in the NFL in receiving yards now if we take a look back here at 2018 something that I remember and I found interesting back in 2018 Howard commented to reporters that Hopkins likes to push off a lot and Hopkins Hopkins responded by asking, Who's Xavier Howard? Howard faced Hopkins that week, holding him to eight yards in the first half. But Hopkins would have the final laugh in that game, finishing with 82 yards and two touchdowns. Now, if we go and we take a look at the linebacker group here for the Dolphins, Jerome Baker and Kyle Van Noy have played a large part in the Dolphins' success when it comes to applying pressure. Baker was sent on a blitz 18 times last week. One of those plays in particular, he hit Goff as he threw, and it turned into an interception. Kyle Van Noy was sent on a blitz 19 times. Now, if we take a look at safety, Eric Rowe, he has a legitimate case for being the best defender on the team this season alongside Xavier Howard and Emmanuel Ogba. On top of that interception he had last week, he was targeted nine times, allowing only four catches and a pass rating of 12 when he was targeted. So overall, the Dolphins defense has really stepped up and really has emerged as one of the more underrated groups in the entire NFL. Now, we'll take a look at the Arizona Cardinals here. In total offense, the Arizona Cardinals are first. In passing, they are 14th, and in rushing, they are second. The Cardinals have been up and down this season. They've had several impressive wins, including a thrilling overtime win against the Seahawks and a dominant defensive showcase against the Cowboys, but they've also had a few embarrassing losses like the one against the Panthers and this shocking defeat versus the Lions. One could also make the argument that they've had a pretty lax schedule with three of their wins coming against the Cowboys the Washington football team and against the Jets now the Cardinals are the number one ranked offense in total yards this season they boast an impressive running game that's led by Kyler Murray Murray is the team's most efficient runner with an average of 62 rushing yards per game seven rushing touchdowns and an average of 6.7 yards per carry Murray is the definition of a dual threat quarterback. Though he thrives as a runner, his arm is absolutely terrific as well. He has 13 touchdown passes and seven interceptions. He is averaging 326 passing yards per game. He is firmly in the MVP conversation, trailing only Russell Wilson. Now, if we take a look at the running backs, Chase Edmonds will receive the bulk of the work at running back. He took over for Kenyon Drake in week eight after Drake went down with an injury Edmonds has 176 rushing yards this season and an average of 6.1 yards per carry. He also has an additional 222 yards receiving. And if you're asking me, I've always been a fan of Chase Edmonds. The guy is electric and I honestly do think that when it comes to him and Kenyon Drake, that Chase Edmonds is the better one of the two. I expect that when Drake returns from his injury, there's a legitimate chance that Edmonds has this role taken over and he kind of turns into this year's version of Aaron Jones. Now, if we take a look at the receivers here, DeAndre Hopkins is the NFL receiving yards leader. He has 704 on the season, which adds up to an average of 100 yards per game. His remarkable hands haven't faltered in the slightest and he can still torch a defense. He has been listed as questionable with an ankle injury throughout the season while also missing practices frequently, but that is customary for Hopkins to do. At the end of the day, he doesn't miss games. He is always going to play. Larry Fitzgerald is one of... the best receivers of all time. He has still shown that he is useful. His days of being the primary producer for an offense though may be long gone. He is fourth on the team in receiving yards with 207 but he is second on the team in targets trailing only Hopkins. The issue with him is he averages a mere 7.1 yards per catch. Christian Kirk is slowly becoming a staple of this Cardinals offense. He has four touchdowns for the team in their last two games. If we take a look at Andy is Isabella. He is their occasional big play threat. He has 20 catches over the last two years, and three of those have gone for over 50 yards. Now, if we move on to the defensive side of the ball for the Cardinals, in total yards allowed, they are 23rd. In passing yards allowed, they are 18th. And in rushing yards allowed, they are 25th. Their defense is commanded by former Dolphins defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. Like Flores, he likes to send these disguised blitzes to get pressure on the quarterback. The Cardinals have brought a blitz 118 times trailing the Dolphins by only one. Cardinal fans have a love and hate relationship with Joseph for allowing so many easy yards early on in the game only to close out big in the final moments like they did against Seattle. Other games though it's really hard to blame the play calling and easier to blame the players. If we look at the Cardinals week 4 loss to the Panthers the tackling in that game was absolutely atrocious with little plays constantly turning into massive gains. The Cardinals right now are 30th in the league in yards after the catch allowed. Some consider safety Buda Baker to be a defensive player of the year candidate for the Cardinals. On the season he has 59 total tackles which is most among safeties in the league. He has two sacks as well as two interceptions and he has more solo tackles than many notable linebackers including Fred Warner and Bobby Wagner. Now if we move on to the secondary here legendary cornerback Patrick Peterson is tied with Buda for the lead in interceptions on the team with two. He played a large role in the Cardinals win versus Seattle, holding DK Metcalf to 22 yards. So that sounds impressive, right? Well, the rest of the Cardinals secondary allowed Tyler Lockett to finish with 200 yards and three touchdowns in that game. So it goes to show that there are some big liabilities in that secondary. Hasan Riddick leads the Cardinals in sacks as the team is trying to fill the void of losing Chandler Jones for the season with a bicep injury uh, rookie Isaiah Simmons who was regarded as one of the best prospects hitting into the draft unfortunately for Cardinal fans he got off to a pretty rough start. Vance Joseph said that he looks like an entirely new man after the bye week but that's something that we will need to see consistently to truly believe. Now the Cardinals will be without a few key players on defense this game they'll be missing edge rusher Devon Kennard who is their highest rated defensive player per pro football focus and they will also be without corn Back Byron Murphy, who plays primarily in the slot for the team. Both of these players tested positive for COVID 19 during their bye week. So, we're going to get into my expectations for this game. The first expectation I have is that Tua has over 35 pass attempts in this game. The Dolphins' defense has been great, but relying on four first half turnovers and 14 points from the defense and special teams in the first half every week is just unrealistic and unsustainable. This game should be competitive though and that alone means the Dolphins will be forced to move the ball downfield. While last week there wasn't much to look at from Tua's performance, this week should allow fans to see what the rookie has. My next expectation is that it's a great game from running back Chase Edmonds. I truly do believe that Edmonds might be one of the better backs that the Dolphins have faced this season. Chris Carson is a powerful runner who can lay the hammer. Raheem Mostert has an exceptional burst and great vision, but Edmonds is just truly electric and elusive, both as a rusher and as a receiver. The Cardinals haven't had groundbreaking production from Kenyon Drake, but now with Drake out with that ankle injury, I think it will become apparent that Edmonds is the better of the two backs. I really do think that with Miami's issue when it comes to stopping the run, that Edmonds has a high likelihood in this game to have over 120 total yards. Now we're gonna get into my keys to the victory first for this matchup. The first one is get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Much like last week against the Rams, the Cardinals are going to look to pressure the rookie quarterback and force these quick reads. The Cardinals struggle with getting players on the ground as we see with their yards per carried allowed. Their linebacker group looks too slow to catch up to ball carriers a lot of the time. This is a perfect game to get guys like Mike Gesicki, Jakeem Grant, Lynn Bowden, Malcolm Perry, all involved and have a good impact in terms of the outcome of this game. My next key to the victory here is to protect Tua and don't turn the ball over. Tua did a great job at securing the ball last week after his fumble early on, but this game will require him to do that yet again. Sun Sentinel's Omar Kelly said his biggest complaint with Tua during training camp was that he held onto the ball far too long. Now, we didn't see that last week. He had the second quickest time uh, from snap to throw in the entire NFL, only trailing Big Ben. But we can't have a game here where he is getting sacked at will or he is being forced to make bad decisions. So we're going to need to protect Tua and don't turn the ball over in this game. My last key to the victory here is another masterful defensive game. This isn't as simple as my usual stop the run or contain X player. The Cardinals have a truly well-rounded offense with their only issue being the run blocking. But even then Murray's potential as a runner kind of nulls that issue to some extent and makes them an extremely difficult challenge. Challenge. There will need to be a little bit of everything in this game. Hopkins will need to be neutralized. Murray will need to be contained. Edmonds will need to be limited. While also you can't fall asleep on guys like Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella, and Christian Kirk. Everybody on this defense will need to be on their game yet again. So I'm not going to bet against the Dolphins defense. I just think we're gonna need to see another good performance from them. So, guys, that's gonna wrap up my preview of the game between the Cardinals and the Dolphins. Now we're gonna move over to Twitter where a good friend of mine, his name is Nate, he asked me a question about the Steelers because he is a big fan of theirs. He said, uh, what are your thoughts about the Steelers season thus far? What what team do you see giving them the most hassle in the playoffs? Now, the Steelers season has been phenomenal. We all know about their defense. TJ Watt, the defensive side of the ball has been about as solid as you could ask for. On the offensive side, the thing I will note is that Uh, Ben Roethlisberger is having a nice little resurgence, bouncing back from his injury. James Connors also having a great bounce back year. Uh, You know, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster started off the season pretty good, kind of disappeared for a little bit, but is also starting to find a nice rhythm. But overall, the Steelers are a very solid team. As for what team I see giving them the most hassle in the playoffs, uh, you know, it's hard to predict, you know, because if you would have asked me last week, I would have said probably the Baltimore Ravens, and they handled them pretty well, but I will say that, you know, any given Sunday applies even with the Steelers. Any team could win. Containing a guy like Lamar Jackson is a task every single week, and if you falter even a little bit, that can drastically change the outcome, and you know, of course, how a team prepares, how they adapt when they watch film and what they see on there to change their game plan. All of that could, you know, change the outcome of a game, so even though the Steelers beat the Ravens, it's not like Oh, they're going to beat him every single time, or if they play him in the playoffs, it's going to follow the same script. So, the Ravens would be one team just because they're solid. Uh, you know, offensively, they have struggled, but I wouldn't bet against Lamar Jackson. Their defense looks pretty good. But the other team, you know, I would have to go with the other former MVP, and that is Patrick Mahomes. The offense for Kansas City is so electric. And when I think of how do you beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, I would have to ask myself, you know, which team is capable of making a game a shootout? Because even though I think big. Ben is having a good year I do have to acknowledge I think his play style is has changed he's kind of adapting and that's not a bad thing he can't do some of the same things he did before he's getting the ball out extremely quickly his average depth of target is extremely short so guys like Juju in the slot are looking better but at the same time we're not seeing the same Big Ben that was bouncing around the pocket you know chucking bombs on the sideline to Martavis Bryant or those deep flag routes to Antonio Brown we're not seeing that Big Ben and when I've seen him try to kind of test the field a little bit like the game against the Titans where he had three interceptions it looked like his ability to throw the ball downfield or maybe his decision making when it comes to targeting guys on these deeper routes wasn't as good as it once was and maybe not having Antonio Brown there is a major factor in testing a team deep so if I look at which teams could beat the Steelers you know if the Kansas City Chiefs which I think are very uh, capable of turning any game into a shootout if they could turn a game like that and force Big Ben to kind of uh, move the ball at a faster pace and you know keep the offense going and test the field deep I'm not sure that would happen so the two teams that I would have to say would give the most hassle for the Pittsburgh Steelers would have to be the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs of course those are only uh, from the teams in the AFC, because we're talking playoffs, uh, you know maybe a team like even the Tennessee Titans, depending on which version of Ryan Tannehill comes out there and how effective Derrick Henry is. But I think if, even if the Titans were to slow down the game, you know to a painful level and rely on the ground, that is you know a script that I don't think the Steelers would mind, and I think that would they would actually potentially benefit from having the game slow down like that. So let me know what you guys think. As always, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Shady Steven. And at via the source, if you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, that would be a tremendous help. And if you have a YouTube channel, if you search up on there via the source, uh, it would be a huge help if you could subscribe over there to me on YouTube. But guys, that is how I'm gonna wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steve Amasso and this was via the source.